Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, and today we have on actually back on Braxton Gann. Braxton, how's it going, man? Great. Thanks for having me on. Dude, anytime. So what's new? What's going on? It's been, well, a, it's been a little while. Yeah. Last time I thought uh, tankers were a good investment. I thought they were trading at a big discount to liquidation value. The demand for oil just disappeared and all of it had to go somewhere. All the excess oil and it was going up, going into tankers just at the same time as extra demand was being created to export and carry around all the extra oil. And rates were at all-time highs, and the stocks were trading at valuations like the lowest in 10, 15, 20 years. And I was right. They made lots of money. They deleveraged significantly the companies paid dividends but the stock price is not so much no no a lot of the, a lot of these companies their equity prices are even down more right so um it's i still own them okay now do you now what what has changed if anything in your view you know, in the last five or you know, I think you were on five about five months ago. What so what what's different? Well the companies are they have less debt generally. Yeah. The companies have have they generally have stronger financial positions. And but on the other hand, the during this glut of oil, the land storage filled up significantly. There's a lot of land storage of oil. And at the same time, the demand isn't coming back in a hurry for, uh, I mean, we're not going to be right where we were for a while. And refinery utilization because of that is down. So the demand is not looking wonderful. But on the other hand, no one's ordering ships. The order, because the rates aren't great, because the stock prices have collapsed. The ordering is... I, th- I think what people do is they look at what happened the last time there was a lot of floating storage of oil. There was a huge uh-huh. surplus of oil. In 2008, there was, because uh, of shale, a lot of extra shale wells came into production and there was so much oil and it sent the rates to ridiculous levels and tankers made lots of money and then after that there was a huge period of losses for the next couple of years the next and the next decade but the difference this that time was that it was at the tail end of a long boom a period of excess earnings and the number of ships under construction as a percentage of the existing fleet was north of 50%. So the capacity after that expanded significantly. And 
after that, then they decided the best way to fix the overcapacity was to build large, more efficient fit ships in great number, which for some reason didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not really any point of comparison because now the order book's under 10%. So when you're when you're looking at these shipping companies, are you discriminating because there are? I, I had someone on the show um, the other day, um, and you know I was asking him a similar question. But I'm going to ask you this question: Is are you discriminating between the different kinds of uh, shipping companies? Because there's you know different obviously different kinds of uh, ships and different different business models. So. You know, what's your, what's your thought on, you know, what are there, you know, what you like, what you don't like? Are, are you just buying a basket of a bunch of different things because you have no idea? What's, what's, what's your thinking around that? I own, well, well, there's different sectors in shipping. I own. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. I own uh, a significant stake in the tanker LPG areas, and I, I do own smaller stakes in a in not significant stakes, but I do own shares in a few other companies. But I think that the supply and uh, I like to the ones with not s- significant excess supply, like you see in container ships, because no one's really demanding a lot of the stuff that's carried on container ships right now. And that's not going to be resolved soon. Right. There's and there's lots of excess capacity which is getting worked through, but it, I, I just prefer tankers and it's much more comfortable owning that. Now, when you say you know owning this, are you owning the equity or are you, are you owning the debt? Are are you doing both? What are you what are you looking at? I did own well. I own equities out of stronger companies like okay. international seaways. I like to own companies that can withstand uh, more, more than just a few, a few bad weeks. Right. And I do own some debt, which we can get to later. Sure. Yeah. Um. So when you're when you're looking at you know right now, you said you some of the stronger companies. Though, what was the one that you said you mentioned? It was International Seaways. Yeah. The, they have really low debt, and mm-hmm. they're one of the strongest companies in the tanker space. Okay. And then they traded about half of NAV right now. Got it. And nope. management isn't even embezzling money. Shocker. Amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay, okay, question for you. If you had a look at the tankers, who, which management teams sketch you out the most? Let's, let's, let's look at that. Oh, uh, it's a difficult, difficult question. Why, who's sle- who's sleazy? There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> let's let's, little, <laughs> let's let's talk about that. Uh, ch- uh, Choc- the Chacos family. Uh, they, okay, tell us t- t- tell us about that family. Uh, they, they just uh, like to. Their companies they can leech out some the the profits of the company through their other their management companies they get paid external management fees and then they their capital allocation is less than great and they do, they've diluted shareholders in order to build new ships when they're trading at a fraction of 
net asset value. And what's 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 the company that they run? Uh, there's one uh, TNP, I believe. It try it's extremely cheap, but I don't own it. Well, maybe it's not extremely cheap. If that's <laughs> yeah, well, right. The thing is, most people use NAV, but I like to use management adjusted NAV. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a probably a that's a better metric. The Braxton GAN management adjusted NAV. Uh, calculation. Yeah. I like it. It's smart though, especially when you're dealing with this industry, which is, you know, full of sleaze balls. Braxton, you there? The, yeah. Okay. Who? Uh, what else? Who? What are some other companies where you would just avoid them like the plague because of their management team? Uh, Navios is pretty bad there it's not the worst but that doesn't mean they're not pretty bad what's the worst you've seen well the worst i've ever seen is dry ships i was just gonna say it was a dry ships yeah i think we did talk didn't we talk about dry yeah, ships did. on one episode yes yeah. like a they started out and they're in a strong period for rates they made money the stock went up i, I think it was five times and then they sort of embezzled the money and they had this crazy scheme where they where they issued sold convertible bonds to, to a hedge fund so they could purchase shares of the company at a fraction of nav and then they would just throw that all back into the embezzlement you know what though i have no sympathy for former shareholders of dry ships because the ceo was like openly mocking what he was doing and if you were that dumb to you know buy into that you deserve it yeah i'm not sure why anyone would invest in a company where the ceo is literally saying that he's trying to steal your money literally he was open about it and just i mean literally thinking that americans were just idiots for 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 investing in this company but anyway um, you said you are invested in some bonds of shipping companies. Yeah, I own the the Navios first more um, the Navios twenty twenty one senior secured notes. Okay. Now, what is your now before we get into that? What is your process for bond screening? Because everyone seems to have a different way they go about this. My process for bond screening is that. Uh, Last year, late last year, I invested in the equity, and I lost money. And then I sort of said, "I'll never, I'll never invest in anything by this company again." Mm-hmm. And because what happened is, I thought the company was extremely leveraged. I thought it's so cheap that, um, and there's so much leverage that it will make so much money that it will create shareholder value faster than Angeliki can destroy it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I underestimated her. Mm. So you decided to then just <clears throat> happen to look at the bonds of the company? Is that how it happened? He, well, uh, a friend actually messaged me saying these bonds are trading at less than 60 cents on the dollar. And I thought that I knew what their boats were worth because I – I'd, I'd fooled myself into investing in the equity, and it's fifty-seven cents on the dollar, wasn't it? 
I just and I was really interested to get into invest in bonds because you know I have a uh, no people who are flipping European sovereign bonds and making triple digit returns. So it's sort of like if you buy a stock, your upside's capped to eight to twelve percent, but with a bond, your potential returns are unlimited. I mean, on the move from zero to negative five percent on a thirty-year bond, you make five times your money. Right. So, <laughs> so and on the move from sixty-two point five percent, which is the yield to maturity. Who knows? <laughs> oh, interesting. Now, when did you start buying those bonds? Um, I don't know exactly, but a few weeks ago, I think. Oh, wow. So very recent. Yes. And they're trading at 57 cents on the dollar. They pay 8%. And they mature next year. So you're not waiting. You're not giving management a lot of time to come up with some way to to sneak out of the bond. Mm-hmm. Or to, Yeah. And there's an 80 million equity cushion of equity market cap, and the equity is actually trading fairly cheap. If you, um, well, doesn't mean it's a good investment, but it is trading pretty cheap. Interesting. So your idea is just hold on to the bond and make your eight percent in the meantime. Right, and I think that the risk is extremely low because. Just because Angel- Angelou, when you say when you say eight percent, is it is it an eight percent bond or is that the is that the current yield based off the price? That's the coupon. Oh, so you're so so the the yield that you're getting is a lot higher, right? It's fourteen percent or something, Got not it. counting the 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 gain from going from fifty seven cents to what whatever they pay out in the end. So, would you are you just planning on holding that thing till maturity, or or would there be a price that you would sell it at i think well i don't know too much about credit analysis but i think if but i thought that you could look look at the different parts of the the capital structure sort of like options Mm -hmm. and like the bank debt the lease the finance leases and the equity and if you look at the historic volatility of tanker assets then they should probably be trading closer to 80 cents on the dollar Okay, gotcha. There are any other um, bonds that you either own or are looking at that you think are interesting in the uh, the shipping sector? No, just this one. Hmm. I, I think yeah. I'm pretty confident because uh, a thirty percent haircut is what it takes for me to lose money. A thirty percent haircut on the value of a ten year old tanker. And if that happens, these would be trading because the value of these tanker assets is already in the general vicinity of replacement costs. So this would essentially be saying that if you build a tanker today, you'll be losing, I don't know what, uh, half a million dollar, dollars a year for, for 10 years. Right. And obviously no one would build a tanker. And if they're losing that much money, uh, a lot of older tankers will get scrapped. And because the average age of a tanker is already 10 – it's the oldest it's been in decades, like 10 years for a VLCC. Mm. So there's not there, – there's a cushion. Why, why do you think this opportunity exists? 
Well, the credit rating agency is has put it under review for downgrading, which is important because they have such a good track record. And the headline leverage is it's leveraged at 10 times EV to EBIT dark, which which is um, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, riots, and coronavirus. And that's <laughs> 2019 numbers. Okay. So that's rather high. Right. But there's a they have solid assets backing it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess shipping has become a dirty thing in and of itself. Just you mentioned shipping companies and no one wants to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. The I mean it might be the most unloved industry, even worse than like cruise ships or hotels or airlines. I think that's fair. In fact, the index of shipping companies, I think, is down fifty percent year to date. I mean, it's got it's got. I mean, even the last ten years, it's got to be a pretty horrible return too. Oh yeah, over the past ten years, it's even worse. Interesting. There's, it's sort of at the cross section because it's small, it's small cap value, it's commodities, it's. A lot of these companies have high leverage. It's everything you would not want. Right. It, it's the least popular things you could possibly think of for the general public. Exactly. But I think with these bonds, I'm pretty comfortable with them. Because are they are, they are they pretty thinly traded or the was not too thinly traded. No? Okay. Th- uh, I don't know how it how it stacks up compared to other bonds, but they've got a. Uh, they, but they stack up pretty. They're pretty liquid compared to a lot of the smaller co- the companies I invest in. Right. Well, interesting. Well, Braxton, it's always great to have you on, and you always have some interesting insights. And uh, you know, come back anytime. Okay. And before I go, yes, I think I don't mean to knock the efficient market hypothesis. No, please. I mean, do you do? Have you bonds. have you listened to the intro of of this show? <laughs> I have. Do you, do you remember job. what I what what it gets said at the beginning of the show? <laughs> I do. That modern portfolio theory can go suck it. Yeah. So please go ahead. Well, these bonds trade at a sixty thousand basis point spread spread to Greek government bonds, and these bond this company hasn't gone bankrupt in hasn't ever gone bankrupt. And I, I don't know about Greece, but I think it's on chapter fifty five. <laughs> So I, I think there's a mispricing there. Just perhaps, right? I think so. <laughs> well, on that note, I think that is a great way to end the show. Um, thanks so much for coming on. It's always great talking to you. And, you know, come on anytime. Thanks for having me on. You got it, man. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.